Hey y'all, it's rolling. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you wanted me to do the intro. Yeah, you yeah, wrote that yeah, also, yeah, so it's so not blah, blah, blah. Not hey really y'all, blah. it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Time of Empires and Basilica. I will join Marty to talk about fun facts and ready, set, bet. Then my brother Bob joins Marty for a non-spoiler review of the Arkham Horror Card Game campaign, Edge of the Earth. Blah, blah, blah. Hello and welcome to episode 275 of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, which is the last episode of our ninth year. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. Are you, wait, are you sure? I thought this was our 10th year. Oh, we do this discussion all the time. We started in 2012. Right. So our end of our first year, our first year ended in 2013. So this isn't our, so next year's our 10th year. So we don't have to worry about a big 10 year celebration until the end. Or do you always start off a uh, 10 year with a big bang? Here we go into our 10th year. That, my friend, is a great question. <laughs> Wait, shoot. Now you got me thinking about it. So we started our 10th. No, so we're starting our 10th year next episode. Right. So you celebrate the start of the 10th year. Correct. So, yes. So because you, when you celebrate your one year birthday, you're celebrating the first day that you turn one. So, yeah, we're celebrating the first day we turn 10. So when you have an anniversary, you're celebrating how many years you have been together. Correct. You don't celebrate, hey, I've made it through 30 and now I'm starting 31. I've made it up to 30 years for an anniversary or whatever. Yes, but that was your 30th. Now you're working. The next year, that was your 30th. Man, I don't know. You know, I thought this was going to be a short intro, but now it's all of a sudden gotten really deep. Well, I, you know... I do not celebrate these things. And that's one thing that drives my wife crazy is I don't do birthdays. I don't do anniversaries. I call them all Hallmark holidays because, hey, you made it around the sun one more time. Congratulations. Let's move on. Okay. That's how I feel about these things. And to anybody who's been listening for several years, his attitude is no surprise at all. That's why he gets the name Grumpy Tony. That's it. And when it comes to the anniversary, hey. We've been married for 30 plus years. Guess what? What's another year? It's just another year. I'm sure that floats over really well with Donna. Oh, it's taken her 30 years to figure it out. You darn right it does. When you get married during a leap year and you always have the discussion, you, the only ones you celebrate is the 29th. That's when you do the big celebration. And I know that. But I don't say, let's not do the 30 years. because now we're going into year 30. So we did celebrate our 30th year this past year. So you should be coming up on your 30th next year. Correct. In April, okay. we'll be celebrating our 30th. Right. All right. So now that we've put that to bed, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know what you want to talk about. Well, I know one thing. What's next that? time you, you bring out your camera and vlog our game night, we may have to have a talk again. <laughs> People are enjoying it. Look, all right, so... Why am I doing this? Number one, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It, I don't, it's, it's a fun way to just, to, or, we don't do a lot of videos. I think it's fun to put the clips together and put music with them and stuff like that and tell a little story. So I'm just having fun with it. And you just happen to be there as I'm doing this. 
This is true. I will say I am just there. <laughs> but it is kind of cool to talk about just quick hits of some of the games that we played. Mm-hmm. And, and let people see that we actually do play them and we just don't pretend to play them. We exactly. actually do play them. Exactly. They can see time pass through your vlogs. They can see it's light outside and then it gets dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> time is passing by. Because it is on our side. Yes, it is. And, you know, I'm fine with you doing those. I mean, here I am. And there, there was no setup for me on the last one you did. Me walking out of GameStop as you walk up. That was not set up or anything. <laughs> yeah, I was I just trying, done I that. was just trying to get B-roll of the GameStop sign and then you walk out it's like, "Oh, that's kind of perfect." Oh yeah. And I still haven't done my credit for that. So I need to put my credit in the switch. So I'll, you know what's I'll going always on. do that cuz I'm afraid I'm going to lose the receipt. So mm-hmm. my method is I will go to GameStop, get the receipt, go back to McAllister's, turn on the switch right there and enter in the code. I don't have mine with me, so I have to wait till I get home and hope I don't lose it. So, but I've yet to lose one, so that's good. Mhm. I'm debating. I'm going on vacation and I'm going to be on a very long flight. I'm debating whether or not to take the switch because it's so bulky. Well, uh, let's pull back the curtain. By the time this episode comes out, which is three weeks from now, (laughs) you have come back from the vacation. But as you're getting ready to go on the vacation that you just got back from, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't you take your switch? Heck yes, I take my switch. It's bulky. It's hard to manage. I got to minimize with all the issues that are going on with luggage and things like that. And my carry on. I'm not, I don't know. It's just something to lose. I think. And that's how. So what else would you, would you take a book? It's the same size as a book. No, I'll take my iPad, which I know is probably as valuable as the switch, but at least it's thinner, easier to transport. I'm able to download movies to it. So I think that's where I'm, that's where I'm heading out on the trip, figure out what I am going to do. With that good, fun stuff. Oh, I hate trips. I hate the anxiety. We talked about this. Oh, there's so much anxiety. Oh, I hate them too. Vanessa loves them. It's like, nope, I'd rather just uh, stay. It's once I get there, it's cool. It's just the point A to point B stuff that I just don't care for. Mm. And, And it's one thing to do a trip in the U.S., but to travel overseas and I can understand Ignacy feeling this way about traveling overseas and the stress that's associated with it. Cause I will be, you know, traveling overseas and it's just one of those things that I'm like, Oh man, and nothing wrong. It's my own fault for not speaking the various languages and things like that. It just adds a lot more stress to it. The currency credit cards. Yep. Oh man. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's uh, definitely more stressful when you do stuff like that. I'm just waiting to be crammed into those little airplane seats for nine hours. I'm so looking forward to that. You want to see grumpy? Watch me get off that flight. <laughs> I, oh, I should have Donna film that after a, a red eye grumpy, all that good stuff. Oh, we'd love to see that. No, you wouldn't. It'd be like filming me at McAllister's for game night. Now I will have to say that I got going overseas, talked about Ignacy recently. Donna and I got to play ticket to ride Poland. Now yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So I'm very interested in this because I know there's a lot of maps that come out from Days of Wonder. I would, mm-hmm. And I just, I'm always curious, is it just Ticket to Ride with a different map or is it a different game? It, it of course, depends on the map. Like the, the French and the Old West were completely different. Mm-hmm. And then with Ticket to Ride Poland. So now do you, have you, when was the last time you played Ticket to Ride? Years. years. I, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's been years. It's one of the games we always play 
every year. We play it multiple times. It's like Carcassonne. She loves it. She loves playing it. But one of the worst things about Ticket to Ride is it is the same thing over and over of collecting cards, suddenly doing a whole bunch of tracks, complete your tickets, that kind of way, because we do not play vindictive. Right. I do. I don't block people, things like that. And when you're playing with just two people, multiple tracks, you know, you can only use one of them. Okay. The big deal with Ticket to Ride Poland was, I think, I don't know if it was fan created or something, but it finally has come over here as one of the maps. And first thing is I'm laying out the board and I swear, and I put this on, I don't know if Twitter is still around when this show comes out. We'll see what happens. With Twitter that. will still be around when it, the sky is not falling on Twitter. I'm sorry. I know. I know it's not. So I'm, I, I, I was, I was sitting there, I was looking at the names on the map and I'm like, Ignacy is, is it was in my head. He was sitting there thinking, no, that's not how you say it. No, that's not how you say it. The whole time. <laughs> I'm in people's wallet. Ignacy's in your head. Yeah, he's telling me I'm saying it wrong. The big difference is with this one is when you complete routes from a country to another country, say Germany to the Ukraine. Uh-huh. You are you collect the tickets that are not tickets, but they're let's call them tickets, they're destinations uh-huh. and they're victory points. So there's a stack of victory points at each of these countries. Okay. Germany, uh, Ukraine, Russia. Um, I can't remember them all, but there's various tickets there. And those are victory points at the end of the game that you can add. So by completing a route across Poland to these countries, you will collect those first one. There's gets the top victory points. Okay. Yep. That you will add up at the end. So it's, t- it's not in place of the, the destination tickets, it just adds a little bit to it. And the other big thing about this map is it is fast, uh, 35 trains. You are playing very fast and it is, you've got to be on top of it before, cause the game's going in before you know it. There's not these huge routes or anything like that. Short routes, easy to block people. I really enjoyed it. And Donna enjoyed it because we were done in under 20 minutes and it was a very tight game. And she liked the fact that if you complete destination, say I now add uh, Russia to my route, then if I, as soon as I complete the Germany to Russia to Ukraine, even though I'd already collected Russia and Ukraine, I can then pick up those tickets again because I've now added a destination to it. Mm-hmm. So very interesting, very uh, unique way to score points at the end. But once again, it came down to destination tickets, but be very careful because the game will end very quickly. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, she enjoyed it. So I think it, it doesn't beat the two-player map of Switzerland, but I do enjoy it. Um, I think it would be right in there if it's just me and her playing. So maybe I missed it. Is it just two-player? No. No, you can have a, up to four people. Okay. And you said, from, so it's called Poland, but there's still other countries involved. Yes. Your, your, rail, your rail network is Poland. Okay. So it's not okay. it's not going from city to cities in Poland. It's going to other countries from Poland. And there's also cities in Poland. So okay. you're building the rail network, but by connecting the various countries that uh, that border Poland, you are getting points as well. Well, it sounds like this is a good, even more of an entry level than the full ticket to ride because it's less trains, shorter play mm-hmm. time. Yeah. The only thing that's going to throw off people when they go to the other ticket to ride is they're going to be like, okay, what happened to getting the tickets for completing country to country. Well, they're gone, but now you have longest route and person who completes the most destination. Those right. are removed out right. of that map. I'm glad we got it. I was looking forward to playing this. Um, it's been out a while. First time I think us has been able to get it. Oh, wow. On miniature market, it's 1999. Yeah. 
That's it's, it's really good. Oh, hold on. That says map collection. Does this include trains? No. You have to have the trains. Oh, so you need the base game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't all the map, all the all the maps. You need the base. Game. I didn't understand that. So this is okay. This is add on to the base. Not a standalone game. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you have uh, the original or Europe, this is just to add on like any of the other maps. Yep. Like I said, it's one of those. I'll be interested to play it with four. I've got my daughter and her um, future husband coming into town, so we may put that on the table. It, it's it's his choice. He gets to always choose the games. But speaking of routes. Yeah. We got to play another little game from Yellow. I always want to call him Iello, but Yellow. Mm-hmm. And this is a, it's not a flipping right. You're not, you're not, well, you are writing. You, you, oh, yeah, you are you're writing. writing. But you're, so, so this is Get On Board. And it is from, I, I know, I, I don't know if I'm going to say this correct. Sashi. It's like a one word name. S-A-A-S-H-I. Yeah. And you are trying to complete a bus route, depending on the number of players, either in New York or London. And by completing these bus routes, you'll be picking up passengers. You have grandmas, you have university students, you have businessmen, you have tourists. Or on everybody's turn, because it's simultaneous play, a card will be flipped over that has a color to it. And on your sheet of paper, it tells you what route you have to draw. Maybe it's a straight route of three streets. Or maybe it's a route that has two streets, but you got to turn either left or right, mm-hmm. however, however it is. And my sheet is different than Marty's based on the color. They're all different. And you look at the top of your player sheet and it dictates when this color comes up on the card, this is the route that you must place on the central board uh, in the middle of the table using your little uh, wooden rods that you place down to track your routes. And as you collect these people, you mark them off on your sheet. If you, if you, I don't say run over grandma, but if your route takes you to a grandma circle, then you mark grandma on the score sheet. On on your personal sheet. So this is, this is where the right part comes in. If you see a university student on your route, you mark them off. And lo and behold, based on the various scoring for the people you pick up, whoever has the most points at the end wins the game. There is a couple situations where one, you cannot have your route go back into yourself. You can't do what was Tron, the, the light cycles. Right, right. Yeah, the light cycles. Yeah. <laughs> you, you blow up the bus. The right. bus can't back up on itself. And there are various areas, depending on the map or your other players, that if you go across someone else's route, go beside it, which is allowed, you encounter traffic. And that's negative points. So there's the interaction with the game. You have your own special objective to complete a certain route that goes from this point to that point to this other point. You got to hit three of them, which, as you found out, was a little bit more complex than you thought it would be. Yep, it was. It was because uh, when you start running into other people or trying to avoid other people, or let's say you're looking at your score sheet, and usually most of these uh, score sheets, uh, it's sectioned off on the sheet by the, the people that you pick up. And like, for example, you're trying to get office men to uh, uh, buildings, uh, to their mm-hmm. to their business building. And if you complete a row of like office men, you get like a, a bonus at the end. And each, again, like Tony said, each of these bonuses per person scored differently. 
but you're trying to complete rows of each of these different types of people to to activate that bonus. And then you're trying to, in roll and write fashion, you're trying to create these little combos. With the tourists, for instance, if you, you pick up two tourists and then you hit a tourist spot, you'll get a certain amount of points. But let's say you only have one tourist on the bus and your route hits that spot, then that row's complete. You have to go to the next row when you pick up another tourist. So you have to really think ahead from your planning because you don't have that opportunity to keep adding tourists. So because as soon as you hit one of these spots or the business hits his office, that row's complete and you score that row right then. Mm -hmm. And these secret objectives that you get kind of show you, hey, you need to have a route going from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you'll get some bonus points at the end. So that's also something you're trying to work on that uh, people may not realize what you're trying to do. The good thing about this is let's say your route is going to create a, when the card flips over and you do not want to take three straight shots because that's what it tells you you need to do. You can also mark off a spot and you can take a turn, make your, make your route go place down two and then turn right. You take that, that's going to be negative points as well. So for everybody, it's kind of like manipulating dice. This is how you would manipulate your route based on the card that comes up. And so what you're going to do is you have this deck of cards and you're going to play through 12 cards. And at the end, that's the end of the round after the 12th card has been played. Fast, furious. Yeah. 30 minutes and furious, 30 minutes, something like that. Cause everybody, again, people are playing pretty much simultaneously and they're not doing the same routes when the tickets over. So that comes into play as well. So, mm -hmm. and you've got to look at how many cards, which cards are left or colors are left that will help you decide, okay, if this comes up, then I know I will need to be doing the following things to be able to pick up these university students. And there's also these special areas that you can, that increase your score at the end. So you have to play that in mind. Real fast playing game, a simple flipping, flipping right. Yeah, it is, but, but what I like is it adds that there's an element, there's a board in the middle of the table that you're also interacting with too. So it's not necessarily just solitaire where you're marking stuff off on mm -hmm. your own sheet. There is interaction because if I see, you said the most you can have, the most you can have on a road, two tracks, right? And if there's two tracks there, you have to find another route around. No, you can have as many people, but it's traffic. Okay. It, it creates negative points for you later. All right. So that's what it is. So you're trying to avoid traffic because every time you go down a road that somebody's already gone down, you have to mark off the negative points on your, uh, at the bottom of your sheet. Mm -hmm. But then also you're trying to make sure that you don't wrap back on yourself. And I almost didn't, I had to give up some of my scoring uh, because I was, I created a situation where to get back to where I needed to, I was not going to have an exit out of there. So I just had to, well, I guess grandma's is going to have to ride the bus for a bit. She ain't getting off. <laughs> also, there's these two objectives that are shown for everybody. Like if I pick up five grandmas first, I'm going to get 10 points. You would get the other amount if you were to achieve the objective second. Mm -hmm. So you, there are those two objectives. And then of course, the London map, it's, it's a lot larger so that four people can play and place out their routes. So it's definitely different. And I think the biggest thing is the fact that you're interacting with each other on a board. Yeah. And it's basically, it's pick up and deliver uh, plus uh, just route building. Mm -hmm. So from, from a flipping right standpoint, you know, like welcome to, which is everybody knows about mm -hmm. welcome to the, the, the map in the middle is what's going to make it different for you. If you're looking for a different game like that. 
So that is Get On Board from Yellow Games. Every so often we bring a game to McAllister's that is pretty much a table hog. <laughs> Which, uh, this next game that we're getting ready to talk about that is uh, sponsored, the segment sponsored by uh, Game Toppers. This is where a Game Topper comes in handy because Time of Empires took up a lot of space on this table. And, and even though we had the nice Game Toppers mat out on the table, we physically needed a tad wider table to pull this off. And that's what's the nice thing about uh, the Game Topper uh, components or the, the tables themselves is you can get a various different types of sizes for whatever you need is you can just like get a perfect square a little bit longer a little bit more narrow uh, but the nice thing about it is probably whichever size that you get will probably hold time of imp well the smallest one may not hold time of mm -hmm. empire so you'll need to go uh, uh, one bigger than that but the our we had the nice little play mat on the uh, on our table, we were a little bit beyond that play mat, which is fine. Uh, we just didn't realize how much table space it was going to take. But if you do have some table uh, hog games and you're looking for some nice mats or tables to put those on, make sure to go check out GameToppersLLC.com. Another thing that would have been very helpful if we had that Game Toppers, especially for this game, is pieces were flying. Because <laughs> we were bumping arms, hitting elbows, as you will hear in when we talk about this game. So the rails on the game topper would have been very nice. Kept everything on the table from hitting the floor, having to pick that up, because that was definitely needed for the game that we're getting ready to talk about, Time of Empire. Yeah, this game is from Pearl Games. And you may go, wait, Pearl Games? What else do they make? How about Trois, Lagrania? Black Angel, which we recently talked about. Oh, yeah, Black Angel. Oh, okay. Uh, is it Doe, D-E-U-S, which I played before and uh, really liked. This game is designed by David Simayand and Pierre Voyer. Typically, when I hear real-time games with sand timers, it's usually a turnoff for me because I've yet to play one that really works for me. But I was interested in this one because it's a Civ style game, and I typically like Civ style games. And the whole mechanic is is that simultaneously, each age, you're placing these sand timers out on actions on your board or the central board and taking that action. And you cannot take another action until the uh, sand timer is expired and you can pick it up and move it to another action. Everybody has two sand timers that they're going to be working with over the course of the age. And the nice thing is, is the age is limited to nine minutes. So lots of times Civ style games can run long because there's a lot of AP. Well, when you're timed only nine minutes per age, you better not have too much AP or you're going to get behind. But that was kind of the whole gist of it, Tony. Have all these actions on the board, place a sand timer, take an action. And well, the whole goal is typically is going to get victory points. And in Civ style game is... You're going to be uh, creating technologies, putting buildings out on your board. You're going to be expanding your empire, maybe doing a little bit of combat. There's some area control. And all those different types of things will create re uh, victory points for you. And in like civilization, it takes a little bit to get going. You know, it took man a while before he got the will. And then once he got the will, he was able to do other things. Once he discovered how to make bricks, he was able to build some houses. Once he had a brilliant idea, he was able to invent stuff. And that's exactly how I felt in this game. 
it was a progression through the various eras. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling the theme here, you know? Mm-hmm. In the first part of the game, we were sitting there with our timers, or actually you have that capability of not using the timers to get the feel of the game. Yeah, so we played the first stage. You said there's a variant for your first game, play where each of you take a turn and you play through like 15 turns. But that way, each of you can take a turn at a time to make sure everybody understands how the different actions work. And then we turned on the clock for the second and third ages. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're sitting there developing the resources, being able to pay for our cards, to get them onto the board that helps us continue to advance our civilization. Because like any game with a technology tree, you're going to sit there and you're going to want to unlock spots. For me, the game really centered around the map. Mm. So this is what's really cool too, is there's a map in the center of the table, depending on the number of players, it'll tell you how to put that map together. I did say in the show notes, Tony, setup can take quite a while. It is a table Mm -hmm. hog. One of the things is making sure you have the map set up correctly, make sure everything's oriented correctly. And then everybody has a capital that they're going to start us. Everybody has a certain color and you have a starting capital that you're going to be able to put your population discs on and expand from there. But the main gameplay takes place in that central board, that central map. So you're sitting there as you're watching this board, you're like, okay, for me to be able to do certain things and uncover my technology, I have to expand so that I can build certain buildings out on the board. I really appreciated these cards that allowed me to build the buildings. First, I had to play the idea. Uh, and, and it gave me something. Well, and later, hold on. How do you get the cards, though? Well, I had to put my timer over there to the technology. Yeah, so that's one of the central boards. Everybody had access to mm-hmm. these technology cards, and there was a deck for H1, H2, and A3. Just put your sand timer out there, take that top card, and it goes into your hand. So then, proceed. Then you're gonna, you've got to play that card to your board. Right, i got to have an idea. But to get, by the way, that's a blind draw. The best part of that card is, you know the three types of cards there are that will give you either maybe basic resources or advance your your civilization through warfare. Seems like every time I was drawing a card, I was going to go kill somebody with but it. But you, even though it's a blind draw, the back of the card does show you the mm-hmm. type of building that you can build with it, which is important. Which is So as you build that building, it unlocks the various capabilities. So in order to play that card, you have to have an idea. And you keep seeing ideas. There's actual resource tokens that are ideas. They're light bulbs. They're light bulbs. You got to have an idea. Oh, I understand that. Maybe but three. I just want to explain that idea is an actual resource that you accumulate and spend. Yeah. You may have a light bulb on your card. So it wasn't a great idea. Or there may be two. It was a better idea. And three, it was an amazing idea. Mm-hmm. And generally, the more light bulbs that are needed, the better the resource you're going to get or the... Uh, action that you will have on that card that you can take. Well, after you've done that, you can then now key. Did you mention that you cannot put your timer back on the same spot? I did not mention that you must move your timer to a new spot, but there's nothing stopping you from taking another timer that's expired and mm-hmm. replacing it with that one. You just can't pick up the same one and put it down on the same spot again. Right. So while you're sitting there competing with one another for the general central spots, hmm you always have your board that you have to manage as well. Yeah, and one of the actions on your board is to play that idea card from your hand, pay those resources and get it. And in the same spot, you can put one of your timers there to build the building that's on that card 
pay the resources in brick to pay to build the building. And when you remove a building off your board, there's three different type, three, four different types of buildings. And when you remove it, it unlocks something else for you. Then that technology is discarded to be ready for a new one to come into play later on. And I really like this about the game from the standpoint of the resources I'm collecting. I'm not having to collect a whole bunch of resources, just two. I got to have an idea and I got to be able to make bricks in order to build that building. Like you see, I got to put it on that one spot on the board, put that out there on the map. So it is now out there for me. It's, it's part of my province as part of my civilization. Mm -hmm. And the only requirement of putting it on the map is that you must have, you must occupy that map with another of your buildings or one of your population discs. And it's important to get those population, which is another action you can take. Mm -hmm. You can put your timer there and suddenly you got a little population going. It took a little while, 30 seconds, according to the timer. Mm -hmm. But you put that out there, you may now take a population disc based on how much you've uncovered on, the, on your board and it can go to your capital city or a city you already have and you may place up to four in that location. So when you, uh, you have to move into a city and you control that city, then you can put population there. So that's how you expand out from your capital. Mm -hmm. And in that same spot, you can put a timer to actually move your population around the board. And that's how you expand to new areas. The other two are about generating resources, the ideas in the brick mm -hmm. on your board. One of them, you don't put your timer there. It's your cultural. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's how good what, you feel. We didn't even mention this. So there's an app that you can download for iOS or Android that will help you walk you through this stuff. And I do recommend the app because it's, 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 I don't know, Tony, that it's really needed, but if you're not using it, somebody needs to monitor that timer uh, because at the, the uh, three and six minute mark uh, within the ages, uh, the game stops. That's when you're going to be able to generate your scholars that you can use during the age. And your scholars will go out to either one influence leaders, which are these cards uh, on a board. And when you uh, influence a leader, there's a little action at the bottom. You immediately get to take, like maybe it's get a free move or something like that. Or you can help build wonders, uh, which is another board. And at the end of the age, you look at each of the leaders and who has whoever influenced that leader card the most gets that leader card and puts it in front of them in play, it's a permanent ability that they get. Or if you uh, had the most influence or contributed the most to building a wonder, what that's going to do is generate some victory points for you. But that only happens at two points during an age. That's when uh, you generate the scholars, then you can use those scholars throughout the rest of the age. And this, and this is very important, especially later in the game. The scholars in the population disc are the same. Mm -hmm. If you're wanting to expand your empire and you have a whole bunch of scholars, then you have really hurt yourself. Yep. And vice versa. If you need to influence a leader because that ability that leader may give you at the end of the round that you want into your hand, you better have the scholars out there. And there's no place, there's no way to generate scholars until that timing goes off. So in your head, while this game is going on, hurry up scholars, hurry up scholars. When am I going to have some more? How do I place this? Because everybody's going there. And in order to win that leader, whoever has the most influence will get the scholar. And whoever is the lowest on the stack will get that scholar. Breaks so ties. A tie, yeah. Yeah, that breaks ties. Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if there was a way to break ties outside of that. I can't well, no, remember. I mean, there, there's no need to. It's just whoever's lowest in the tied position on the stack mm-hmm. gets it. Yeah, I don't know if there was any leaders or anything that said, oh, now you get to break all ties. You know how you always Oh, no, there was. Because I, I was going was. for that one. Yeah, there was one that says, oh, now you break ties, forget position on the on the uh, place. Mm-hmm. And then for the wonders, it's it's a it's a calculation of did I influence the wonder? Do I want two victory points or one victory point? Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets something from it. It's just whoever contributed the most will get two victory points as opposed to the one. It's two victory points per something. Another thing I really enjoyed about this game was the attacking of one another. You move into a region with someone else. It's not rolling dice. It's not hard calculations. It's not playing a bunch of cards to adjust strengths or numbers or anything like that. It is simply two move in and two people are there. Both of them are wiped out. Well, you move in and however many number you move in, that's how many you knock out of the opponent and how many ever of their pieces are removed. They knock that many out of your stack. Say that again. Let's make sure we did this right. All right. So let's say I move three in to a spot and to your two. I would take out, I would knock out up to three of your units. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to knock out your two. Your two were removed in return. Those two are going to knock out two of my units, leaving mm-hmm. me just one unit one. in the spot. Yeah. Right. And that's basically how uh, how you, one, can take out somebody else and get in there, which is important because at the end of the age, if you're in a place where somebody else has their buildings, you blow their buildings up, <laughs> which I like. You ransack them. That's and right. Worth, you ransack Every building's worth three victory points. That's right. At the end of the age, uh, you ransack buildings where you have your uh, some of your population and there's somebody else's buildings, and you collect those buildings onto your board they're worth three points at the end of every age. Mm-hmm. But here's another reason why you want to attack, Tony. Remember earlier on you said, crap, I really need a way to get more scholars. Go in and attack somebody, knowing that they're, they're going to come back to your general population, and then you can use those for scholars when the timer goes off. Right. I was doing that. I was sacrificing some of my troops or population to get them back into my general supply so I could have uh, scholars made later on. And see, my strategy was just the opposite. I wasn't worried so much about the scholars Mm -hmm. and going over and influencing the leaders as it was trying to expand or protect my borders because some of our cards required victory points based on the number of territories we controlled. And so all this is happening simultaneously. So four people are sitting around the table moving uh, their sand timers all around the board. And suddenly people are moving and suddenly your population is coming flying back. (laughs) It's like, what's going on? Because whoever does the attacking just resolves the battle. They don't tell you something. We might say, by the way, I'm attacking you. And that's why they're handing you back your pieces. So here's Mm -hmm. where the thing with real time is Tony, right? You could easily mess up. I'm not going to say cheat because nobody was going to try to cheat, but you can easily mess up. You can accidentally Mm -hmm. pick up a timer that maybe wasn't expired or not do a, well, the, the combat is so easy, you probably didn't screw that up because uh, that's really easy to do. You can actually maybe knock over somebody else's timer and then not realize it or something like that. You just got to be as honest as you can as you play through a round. Well, it's, you talked about three moving in. Well, how did you do that? I had two. There were limits on based on the territory unless cards gave you specific, the ability to have more than 
the limit that was allowed into the territory. And you're like, well, how did you take that over? I had two. Well, I brought in three. How did you bring in three? Because I had a card that allowed me to do that. Or wait, one of the things you also have to do with this military is I know I'm going to lose that battle, but I'm setting up for the second attack. Mm-hmm. So you have to do that. I had some cards that allowed me, if I was in the city, that if I controlled the city and I played this card, I could wipe out other people's buildings. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And, and Bert was like, what the heck happened to my buildings? I'm like, well, my catapult took you out and now they're on my board. Well, I didn't see you do that. Can't help you. <laughs> and, and that's the part where things are happening to you that you may not realize. You may think that you're safe over somewhere because you've done something. And all of a sudden you look, it's like, Oh, all my things are gone. Now the nice thing is Tony, uh, if your buildings get destroyed, well, the nice thing is if your buildings get destroyed, they don't go back to your board. So Mm -hmm. if you've, like I said, they go to the uh, opponent's board because you don't want them to go back to your board because you've already unlocked the bonuses of either generating extra resources, extra bricks, extra scholars, depending on the type of building that you built. Right. All right. Enjoyed it. Yeah. One last uh, thing. Let's one thing. Yeah. At the end of an age, you talked about uh, you ransacked the buildings. Uh, you also may be able to score points. Uh, some of the buildings, the more that you unlocked, they may generate some points for you at the end of the round. Uh, you get your leader cards. You score your wonder cards. You actually look at sieging cities. If you're in a territory, the cities are right in the middle of a three hex uh, piece. And if you have more pieces there than anybody else and there's nobody in the city, you actually get to claim that city. And then basically you start the clock and go again. The app is super, super nice because when you start the timer, I like this, Tony, you don't know how long you got. It's like, because you're going along, they're playing some nice music and all of a sudden you hear, is it a baby crying baby or something cries. like that? That indicates, okay, generate your scholars. And then all of a sudden this says, okay, age is over. And you were getting ready to play several times. Uh, I was getting ready to place my, uh, sand timer to take a very important action. And then the age ended just like, Oh, well, I guess I don't get to do that. And then it walks. What's nicest too, is the app walks you through the scoring right mm-hmm. in the app. You enter the score that everybody does for that age. So yeah, the gongs in, ends the age you hear the gong. So I will ding the app for one thing. Okay. There's no back. So as I'm scoring us, there was no way for me to go back and correct something. Oh, uh, well, take that back. There was that back. There was somewhere in the app. I couldn't go back. Okay. It was kind of irritating. And I'm like, okay, I need to go back. No, you got to restart the game. And I forget where that was, but I'm sure as they continue to release it. So overall for me, this game is, uh, other than the fact that it is a fairly long teach, not to the person who taught us issue. It was just, it was, it was a long teach. There's no other way to do it. It was a long teach because there's a lot of actions. There's like five or six actions on your board plus another four or five out on the central board that has to be explained. It's not that the actions are complicated. People just know how to know how each of them work. And understand the stacking of the pieces and understand how the majority works and how to get the leaders and what's going to happen at the end of the round, so forth. Game itself, you know, if, if the four of us play it again, it'll be done. We could play this game four times in an hour. After the setup. Four times? Well, no. Each age is, is nine minutes. So that's, what, 27 minutes of okay, actual... don't let me use math. Okay, two times. Fine. Yeah. Well, it, no, because the scoring at the most, at the most three minutes, three or four minutes for oh, the yeah. scoring at the end of each age. Because So literally, once you're set up, after the long set, once you're set up, 
We could easily play this game in 45 minutes. Easily. Easily. Yeah. But what's what's nice is that it gives you that Civ feeling. of a, It does feel like a Civilization-style game, but it doesn't overstay its welcome because it's time. It can't. <laughs> you yeah. know? And nine minutes flies by way quicker than what you think it's going to because you're constantly trying to do things in, in, a, in a flurry in order to get stuff done. Enjoyed it. I uh, would like to see more of the cards, like to see how they impact. Definitely replayability here based on the leaders that show up, based on the various cards that you would be drawing during your turn. Also, and the maps uh, are static and depending on the number of players. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that is what it is. And from the standpoint as, uh, you know, is there a definite win condition? No, because the cards, the wonders, the leaders will always impact how that does and what you want to do. I do want to be more aggressive the next time I play. I want to try to expand quicker, try to create more influence from that standpoint. And that's just to push another lever in the game. Yeah. And for me is I really like Civ games. I mean, is this better than Clash of Cultures? No, that does not give me the experience. But Clash of Cultures is a long Civ style game that I, I know exactly what to expect. And like I said, those are hard to get to the table and they're very long to play. So if I want a Civ fill style game, I could do this. Like we talked about Terra Nova earlier. I never get Terra Mystica to the table, but if I want the fill of Terra Mystica, I could play Terra Nova. And that's what I feel about this. This is a small nitpick. I don't understand the reason why they had the size of the box that they did. It's very long and more narrow and it won't fit in my game bag. Okay. Well, Black Angel was that way and it didn't need to be that way. Maybe they just have a special purchasing on that. Uh, and that's the same company that made Black Angel. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a silly nitpick, but I literally couldn't get it in my bag. I wish it was more of the standard size. So Time of Empires. It's again, I'll keep it on my shelf because if I want to play a quick Civ game, this would be um, it for me. Tony, I think you initially didn't seem to care for it too much. Have you just warmed up to it over the last few days? It wasn't that I didn't particularly care. It was just the fact that any game that it takes us that long to teach. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, what was the one we played over at the BooBQ, the alien game? I'm just like, oh my yeah. gosh. But now, but, but I understand the reason for it. Yeah. But here's the thing is, if we, if we waited six months and played it again, the teach would be shorter because it would come back to you real quick. Because you know how to read yeah. the icons and we know how it kind of flows. And if we were I, to set it up right now, we wouldn't even have to reteach the rules. We would just get started. Yeah. And the war was probably the most complicated thing on some of the texts or some of the readings of the rule. You can't do this or that. And we were like, what? But we finally got understood where they were going. Plays fast, plays quick. Yeah, no, I enjoy playing it again. You know how we always mention you need to go to shopportalgames.com and check out all their latest releases and pre-order and everything like that? Well, get this. Ignacy reached out to us and said, hey, guys, you know sometimes you give out discount codes for other places and use code RDTN, and if you put that in, you get some sort of discount? I said, well, yes, Ignacy, I do. He said, all right, I would like to try that over at shopportalgames.com. He said, I'm going to put in a code for RDTN, and anybody that uses it gets 20% off their order. I thought, well, that's really cool. I said, what happens if something's like already on sale? Because some of your games right now, some of your base games are like up to 20% off already. He said, "Ah, it may work. I don't know. So I tested it out. Get this, y'all. Gutenberg is regularly $70. 
He has a discount on there of $52.50. So I threw that in my cart. Gutenberg is the game that just came out over the summertime. It was hot, sold out at Gen Con. Everybody loves it, including us. Another game that came out this year is Batman Everybody Lies. It's regularly priced $50. Over at shopportalgames.com, it's on sale for $37.50, so I threw that in my cart. Then I went to the discount code and I put in RDTN applied and boom, sure enough, 20% came off the entire thing. So Gutenberg went from 52.50 down to 42. Batman Everybody Lies went from 37.50 to 30. And the total price of that is $70.68. Why is that significant? Because any order over $75 at shopportalgames.com gets to ship for free. So both of those games for just 76 bucks, shipped straight to your door using discount code RDTN. Now you may be wondering, like, oh, wait a minute, I'll just go to Amazon like order Gutenberg. Well, you could, but you're gonna pay $66 and not $42. And I believe that 42 is better than 66. Now, here's the thing. I have a feeling that Ignacy's doing this because he wants to see if like actually anybody listens to the show. And so if nobody uses the code, then he knows, all right, you know, why, why am I working with these guys? They're not bringing me anything. So here's what I need you to do. Head over to shopportalgames.com. Use the code, y'all. 20% off everything there, including pre-orders and items that are already on sale. Order over $75 worth and get free shipping. That is amazing. 20% off using code RDTN, shopportalgames.com. Let's show Ignacy that actually somebody listens. So as you saw from the vlog, sometimes Marty and I get to enjoy two-player games while we wait on others to show up at McAllister's. So this past time, we got to enjoy the game that Portal Games, Ignacy has brought back from 2010. He's bringing it out. I think it's coming out at the end of this year, first of next year for those of us. No, it's, it's, it's out here now. Is it? Yep. So I can go over to Miniature Market and pre-order that? Yep, yeah, sure can for $28. $28. The only reason why it caused me some confusion is on my BGG uh, information, it says pre-order. As the time of this recording, it should be coming out any day now, and it should be out by the time this recording drops. The designer is Lucas M. Pagoda. Two-player game. Let's get to it. You're placing some tiles. You're trying to get area control so that you can score some points when the queen comes to look at the church you're building. The queen is moving over time based on the crowns that are showing up on these tiles. So whoever has this area will get points based on that, on based on the colors they're controlling. You're battling with one another on area control. On your turn, you're going to take three actions. One action is place a vault into the basilica. Real simple. Take a tile, place it down there, meet the requirements of placing the tile. There's a you can only have it five wide, and it must be adjacent to another tile. Once you place that tile, you may place a builder out that gives you the ability to be in control of that area. That builder is working on his vault. If you want to place a builder out, you must always follow placing the tile action. You cannot do an order and then place a builder. This is very important. Or on the other side of the tile, there's a thing called an order. And it allows you to do a special action, such as remove a builder from the board, one of your own builders, or possibly put in some scaffolding that can block majority for someone or keep them from building out on their vault. All these actions are being done in your three actions. That's it. 
That's it for me, Marty. I'm placing tiles. I'm doing orders. I'm placing builders. I'm trying to get area control. And I'm getting my butt handed to me by you in this game. <laughs> yeah, so there's a stack of tiles. Mm -hmm. And on the table, you uh, put out three of the tiles on their older side, three on their vault side. And as soon as you take one of the vault tiles and place it, the order tile that's above it, uh, placed above it, flips over to its vault side in its place, and you draw a new tile off the stack and put it down on its order side. Why is that important? Because you can see, for example, man, I really need a red tile. Oh, that tile, that order tile will be a red tile once it's flipped. I'm going to place the one that's beneath it. If it's green, maybe I don't really need it out there so that the red one can flip down into its place. Then I can claim it, place it, and for my third action, put a builder down on top of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that part of the strategy of the order tile flipping over to its vault side when the vault tile that's beneath it gets claimed. Also on these order tiles, even if you take the order, the other player, depending on the type of order, may also do an order mm -hmm. and pay you a coin. Yep. But you only have one of them. So you have to balance that. Like, do I really want to give Marty that coin so that I can do that special order action? Now he's got two of them, and I'm going to be shut out later. Yeah, so these coins, is there's only, you each start with one coin. One. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then basically you're kind of trading them back and forth. So you need to be careful when you want to give that coin away. Because if I give the coin to Tony, then all of a sudden he's sitting with two and I've got nothing. And maybe he hoards those till he really, really wants to do an action, especially maybe right before scoring. Because as Tony mentioned a while ago, there are some vaults that have crown icons on them. And when a crown icon comes in down into play, you're going to move the queen on the victory point track. When the queen gets to the 10, 20, and 30 spot of the victory point track, play stops, and you immediately do scoring. Scoring is very easy. Uh, you're going to look at the different contiguous areas of the same color. Whoever has the most builders in that area will score points for that. We didn't mention, Tony, one of the orders that you can take is to promote your builders. Maybe you can give them a promotion to where this builder counts as two population or this builder will double the scoring of the area that he controls at the end. That also is the trigger of an end of a game too, because once she gets to the third scoring, uh, you'll score and the game will end at that point. Simple game. It is a very simple game. And that is really all there is to it, which is nice, which is what I like in two player 30 minute games. The setup is nothing. Uh, you just basically got to shuffle and stack all the tiles. The big difference, I think, from the 2010 version and this version is wood pieces were added for the builders. You have, you know, the five wood builders that you have in your mm -hmm. area, as well as the score tracking was adjusted. So when you flip the tile, it goes on the other side of the board. Oh, we didn't mention after the queen scores, the uh, two mm. rows that are closest to the tiles where you pull the tiles from are removed from the game and the rest of the board is shifted down. And also you take back all of your builders off the board and all the scaffolding is removed. So you have to have a lot of strategy there. Yep. It's a competition of, and of course it's a competition. It's a board game. That's the stupidest thing. Well, it's not the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever said in 10 years We're on this show. The stupidest thing in 10 years. All right. Comment no. below. Oh, you can't comment below. Is that really the stupidest thing Tony has said in 10 years? No, nowhere near. <laughs>
And it's not even in the top 10. Because somebody go through the archives and find the stupidest thing that he and I oh. have said over the past 10 years. Wow. That would be, oh, I would, I would not do that. I would. Mm. So <laughs> that should be our 10 year poll. We have a bunch of quotes that people find. Which of these is really the stupidest thing we've ever said? <laughs> I'm not even going to go try to find that to create that poll. <laughs> Sorry, Basilica. Uh, yes. Basilica, Basilica. So for strategy, when you play these games, there's always that strategy of how do I want to influence, because, influence the grid? Because you've got those three actions and you've got to think if I flip this one over to help build the area and place a builder, I'm setting Marty up for his area that he's going. How can I place one that possibly, because there are wilds, these wild cards have two colors on them and they count to both colors. So you have to strategically think, how do you want to place these to possibly help you with the influence somewhere? Very important uh, part of this is, you know, I don't want him to have that order. Do I want to go ahead and sacrifice placing this tile out here so that that order gets flipped because I know he could use it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, this is all part of that strategy of the game that you're sitting there trying to figure out the puzzle. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Where do you want to, uh, do you really want to just place out three tiles and no builders at this time? Maybe that's a really good strategy, but wait, are these crowns going to come up and Maybe I want to force a, a scoring at this time. And that's what I was doing, Tony. I was trying to find uh, the order tiles that had the crowns on them and uh, get the other ones cleared so I could, uh, maybe on my turn, I would realize that the, the queen is maybe uh, four spots away from scoring, so I know there's no way it can score on your turn. And I'll try to manipulate it to where I can make sure the queen scores on my turn so I'd have the last chance to place a builder and maybe take control of a large area. The only thing that about this game that I think might be missing, but it's on purpose, is me being able to take your builders off. And I was kind of frustrated with that. There is a way, though, to remove a, a vault from the map, which we would do to each other to try to decrease the influence or possibly break up a large area and then maybe block it with another color or another right. sc- scaffolding. Uh, have we mentioned the wilds? The dual yes, color? Yes, I just did. Yeah. Yes. And you can't place those side by side. Can't place those. And also, if three of them show up in the tile rack or the, the next to be placed, those get wiped. And there was times when I was stuck. I was wanting to place, get rid of a wild tile, but there was no place I could put it because it would have been another beside another existing wild. That actually happened a couple times. Mm-hmm. So now you're thinking, well, I just that's wasting an action. What am mm-hmm. I going to do? And placing your builders, you know, you only have five of them, so... You may want to pull them back to see how you can do other scoring. And then, and this was poor playing on my part, allowing you such a large area. That really influenced the game. Mm-hmm. So Basilica, Portal Games, they brought it back uh, 2022. If you need a good two-player game, a quick strategy game, easy setup, amazing pieces, may, uh, amazing insert into it. Don't know if it will hold up if it's sitting on its side or uh, hang. It did, it did okay on my shake test. You did a shake test. It, 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 the stuff stood in place. Yeah. I would say give this a trial, especially if you enjoy the tile games. Now, you asked me on the vlog, would Donna like this? And she loves her tile games. No, she does not like the area control. Okay. That's why we never play the farmers in the field for Carcassonne. She doesn't like that aspect of the game. Got it. 
Vanessa and I are recording this segment right after Thanksgiving because we had a very successful time with mine and Vanessa's family eating a lot of great food and playing a lot of great games. Do you know how you measure success after Thanksgiving? Oh, wow. No, I don't. This is going to be quotable. Here we go. Did you have to unbutton your pants? <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that. That's good. Well, I just made it up because I oh, did. Oh, <laughs> listen, that is a Vanessa It might be original. out there, but everybody talks about that, about having to unbutton your pants. I know, oh, but I better I, undo my I, pants. I've never heard that as a measurement of success. That's pretty good. I, I just thought it worked. <laughs> okay. How do you measure success of games? Okay, how's that? Whether you win or lose? Yeah, baby. No, no. never. Oh. Shut your mouth. Did you have fun? If I Did won, you engage yes. with people? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Marty is all about got a win-win and no. I'm all about enjoy the experience. Oh, don't say that. Oh, that's a whole nother part. <gasps> Remember that, listeners, because we need to have a whole <laughs> other podcast. Me and our boys and Tony and Mark Kell and Nate and anyone else because they know. At the end of a game, Marty will be all, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. I got to think. And then he pulls it, I want to say, right out of his back pocket instead of the other place. He pulls out something right out of the back pocket. <gasps> I can do this. I can win. I'm sorry. That was an, that's another podcast. I digress. <laughs> that was a squirrel moment right there. Y'all. That was a squirrel. All right. So we're going to be talking about a couple brand new games that we got. We got to play a lot of different things, but there's two that are brand new that we got to check out. Uh, the first one is a party game from Repo Productions, uh, who you may know is making So Clover. Mm, and just love one. It. Yeah, which we actually played So Clover. And just one. That's right. We played both of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when it comes mm-hmm. to party games, they know how to do it. And this is from designer Casper Lapp, and it's called Fun Facts. Fun Facts. Have you already told everyone that my brother and his family came up? Um, I said your family, but didn't say who. So oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's my brother, his wife, and my two nieces, and they all love games. And they played a lot of games with us over the over Thanksgiving. So actually, the night they came in, uh, our 11-year-old niece pulled out just what they brought it with them. Right. And said, that was her favorite game. And she's like, I want to play this. I want to play this. It's good. So we started as soon as they walked in their door in the door, and it continued until they walked out. And since then, we've been playing so clover like crazy with the with the family and everything like that. We just love that game. Oh yeah. Well, since then, what you mean? Uh, I'm no, sorry. Since, I'm sorry. Since just since so clover. I wow, Marty use words. Since so clover came out, you didn't out, unbutton your pants, <laughs> and all of that was squished in, and it affected your brain. Yeah, that's to where it. if you let it loose, it just. Whew, and your brain can think freely. We played th- just one a lot, but it seems like it's been replaced with So Clover recently. I love So Clover. Love it. Love it. We play it with everybody that comes in and everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. It is so funny, though, how with our family, how how we tend to, you understand your family. Right. Yeah. And pick up on things. Yeah, it's like it's like. Wait what? a minute, now, this might be another squirrel moment. Oh, boy, are we, we reviewing so clover? Because <laughs> we're not, are we? <laughs> go ahead, what's your little squirrel moment? Yeah, here? let's let's do a little bit of squirrel on so clover. So this is just an example. I don't even we don't even know where it came from, but 
my younger brother Bob had crazy words he had to put together, and I forgot what they were. I think it was stu- it was stud s t u d and berries b e r r i e s. Uh-huh. And immediately when he put his card down, and I looked, oh my God. <laughs> he had the word Bostwick on top of it, and I said, "Wait, was that it?" Oh, I said, "Oh, these two go together because there was a Barry Bostwick." And his face was stone cold. And you were like, was he a stud? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. But he was popular back in the 80s. And after we revealed everything, I think we got every one of those right. And they were bizarre. Bob started dying laughing. He said, I don't even know why I put that. And he said, I just thought Vanessa might pull that out of the air. And somehow and I, said, I said, what, did you have a thing for Barry Bostwick growing uh, up? No, I don't even know what he played in. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's a. Clever name, Barry Boswick. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> so, so oh, clever no, 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 is fantastic. The, the, the clue was Stud and Bostwick, and you had to yeah. put them together to get the word Barry. Yes, yes, that was it. I thought it was berries. It may have been, but still. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway. <laughs> Fun facts. <laughs> Fun facts. Vanessa thinks Barry Bostwick is a stud. All right. No, so, I do not. All right. So in this game, Fun Facts, everybody's given uh, basically a little marker, a little plastic uh, piece to write a number on. And a fact is going to be uh, listed out. And you're going to write a number from zero to 100. And what you're going to do is everybody's going to put down, uh, like say the first player will put down their piece face down on the table. The next person will decide, Based on this question, do I think what I wrote will be higher or lower than that person? Mm-hmm. The next person goes, and then they get to put theirs. Well, do do I think I'm going to be higher than both of those, lower than both of those, or maybe in the middle? But it's not necessarily a fact that is written. It's a statement, and it's you have statement. to answer where you would fall in that statement. Yeah. Well, we'll give and a good exa- example. Here's the example. There we go. If you were given an all-inclusive vacation on a private island, how long would you stay? Yes, which was an actual question. And we said, mm-hmm. all right, some of these we had to put units on. Let's say we're going to mm-hmm. answer this in uh, days. Yeah, this one was this one was days. Yeah, so we just we just picked the units is what I'm, is what I'm mm-hmm. getting to. Because oh, somebody yeah. might say weeks. Somebody said we just all collectively yeah. said use days for this. Yeah. So I put down, I think I put on like 14 days, but I secretly put that down. Yeah. Yeah. All of them are in secret. And then you would put down after me, say for example, and you would think, well, do I think I'll be higher or lower than Marty? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is go around the table and then we reveal one at a time, starting mm-hmm. at the lowest. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we reveal the lowest and then we reveal the next one. If it's higher than the previous one, excellent. We keep on going. But if we reveal one and it's lower than the previous, we take it out of mm-hmm. the list mm-hmm. and we resolve each one like that. And then we get a point for every one that we got right. I like this one because it's the same as so Clover mm-hmm. to where you're playing with each other to see if you can get better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're playing collectively to see if you can score better, but it's also yeah. one of those really cool conversational pieces where oh, this one, absolutely. Where I was stunned that your answer was like three days, four days. It was <laughs> super was low be at the bottom. Yeah. I would stay on a private Island. Four days max. I was like 14. I'm like, why? I, were you, I thought you were more than 14. I think it was two weeks. I put two oh, weeks. Somebody had three months. I want to be around people. I don't want to be there by myself. Well, maybe I'm going to be there. I want to be around people. 
<laughs> Give me some people. So that's an example of one. We had another one too. It was like, uh, and, and it said and, private. So you're the only one. Well, I was thinking private mean nobody else would be there except maybe your family and friends. It, did it say family and friends? Oh my God. It did not say family and friends. There you go. All right. So here's one that we, we actually days. ended up testing. How <laughs> long can you uh, stand on one foot? I loved that question. And How so we long said, can you st- we yeah. said everybody answer in seconds. Uh-huh. And then everybody put down their answer. No, then, no, no. We answered in minutes. No, I think it was seconds, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Because going to my niece. So Valley is very athletic. She mm-hmm. plays volleyball. And she guessed that she could stand for three minutes. Okay. So we did answer in minutes. I, I don't know. I put 45 seconds. You might have put 45 seconds. Because I remember she had to calculate 60 times whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway. I can't remember what I put. I think I put one minute. Yeah. So after it was all over, we some of us tested it. Valley yeah. tested it, I tested it, and you tested it. Yep. I can't remember. Oh, and Cara did too, my mm-hmm. sister-in-law. And y'all stayed a long time. I went for three minutes and then I got bored. I had to go find people. <laughs> hey, I stayed longer than I thought. I, I thought, would not do very well on the beast. <laughs> I didn't think I would make uh, a that minute. YouTube channel. And I was on there like three to four minutes. I was. I was so we four. all guessed lower than what we could yes. actually do. And the thing is though, we usually quit because we got tired, not because we lost our balance. See, I thought no, I would just lose my balance just and like, tip I'm over. Really it's like tired my, and my bored calf, of standing yeah, here. My calf is so tired. So that's what Valley had. Valley guessed that she could do it for three minutes. She stood for 12 minutes on one foot. Wow. Well, yep. She did. So fun facts. <laughs> I mean, that's the type of things you're going to be playing. It plays four to eight players, plays in like 30 minutes. It, it moves quick. You'll mm-hmm. play probably a couple games. Yeah. And you're right. It's great conversation starters uh, for family and friends. It was a compact box, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was a yeah, small yeah. box. Yeah. Like So Clover and the others. Yep. Really, really enjoyed that yeah. game. So we're putting that right beside uh, just one So Clover and Fun Facts. Fun Facts is probably the easiest to teach of them all. Because it's literally just write down what you think the answer is. Yeah. Well, write down the answer for yourself. Yes. And then oh. when you look around at everyone else, you try to guess where your answer would fall into that. Now, I will say we threw out some questions because you almost knew each other too well. One of them was like, how many bathrooms does your house have? Oh, yeah. Or we how many the, rooms? Yeah. Or we knew the answer to everybody. So it's like, throw that one out. Yeah. Now, did you tell everyone so you're scored by how many answers you got, you guessed yes. correctly in a row right. of the of the yeah uh, number or scale of, of the what sequence it would be. Yeah, yeah yeah and then at the end depending on the number of players that play it'll tell you how well that you did in a scale yeah and then we try to play again to yeah beat that and as score. we were flipping there was there were several that we got all of them and mm-hmm. we were all like come on come on <laughs> yeah we got them all now along that lines of everyone yelling at the cards <laughs> and raising their arms and come on, go, come on. And just an exciting experience was the horse betting game. Ready, set, bet. Ready, set, bet. We had a ball with that game. Now we played this Thanksgiving night after yeah. after we ate. This game is two to nine players, plays 45 to 60 minutes from designer John D. Clare. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real big fan of his. And this is from publisher AEG. Now in this game, the theme is really simple. All of us are betting on horses. And the person with the most money after four races wins. That is literally it. And we played with, did we play with nine people or eight? We played with nine. I was the ninth person running the races and the other eight betted. So that's why they have nine listed. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a board uh, where you're going to put your horses. Your horses are numbered based on a uh, 2D6 uh, dice. 
The numbers 2 and 3 are combined together on one horse. The numbers 11 and 12 are combined together on one horse. And then every other number, 3 through 10, have their own horse. And their little track, it's a pretty neat board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the race is really simple. I, as the one controlling the race, would roll two dice. And let's say a 6 came up, I would move that horse one space. And this is all happening real time. So I'm just rolling dice, moving horses. Uh-huh. And then y'all as the players are looking mm-hmm. at this big uh, betting board. And there's a lane for each of the horses to where you can place bets. They'll either be bet to where they're going to win, right. place, or show. Right. And place means coming first or second. Show means first, second, or third. So as you're watching in real time, these horses rate each other. Y'all have... Um, Tokens range from two to five that you can place on one of the bets. And that's basically a multiplier. Mm-hmm. And once you place a bet, nobody else can go in that space. Right. And once the horses came to a certain line, you, no more bets could be placed. At the no bet line, once the third horse crossed the no bet line, no more bets can be placed. And then you're just watching till the end to see who actually wins. Unless... Dun, dun, dun. Oh, you mean like special abilities? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to throw that in later. So this oh. this is played over four. Throw it in now. Four, okay. Over four rounds. After the first round, everybody gets a card that gives them a special ability. One of those is they can place their bets after the no betting line has been passed. But a lot of them were, here's an extra chip for placing more bets. Right. There were a lot like that. Yeah. I never used anything. Well, I did use one thing extra. Now I can't remember what it was. Uh, some of them were really great, and people mm-hmm. were really racking up on those extra cards. Um, I can't remember I can't what yours was. Anyway, was. what that does is add some variability to the game. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and you keep those cards as you go. So every round or every uh-huh. race, you get like an extra ability to make uh-huh. it even better. But there's also other things you can bet on the board. At the beginning of each race, you deal out cards at the top of the board that will have some sort of conditions. Hey, uh, while you're watching this race, if you think all blue horses... No couple blue horses beat all the uh, red horses. No couple red horses, then place a bet here, and if you do, you you'll win some money. And so those are variable each race. Those conditions can change. And then at the bottom is another set of cards for doing some additional bets that stay out for every race. So it's not just win, place, or show. There's some other side bets that you can make as the race is happening. I do remember this. I don't know if you remember this. So we were at, everyone really got into it. Like it took us maybe what <laughs> well, one or two betting rounds, it, and then it, everybody's like, "All right, we got the hang of this." <laughs> yeah. Well, after the first race, I thought, "Man, nobody's really having fun because nobody's saying anything." <laughs> we were thinking we were concentrating, but by the third race, yeah, <laughs> we were hooping and hollering and standing up. I felt like I was at the racetrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we said, we mentioned, we said, we're looking at these horses, and it would be nice if we could see what the number. <laughs> Of the horse was. Maybe we might better mention that on the review. So the tokens have a number on one side of the horse and not the other. I don't know the way that we were standing and We were standing the horse straight up. So you only saw the horse from the front and not the back. And Marty went, huh? And he picked it up and turned it around. And we were all like... Ah, oh, there's the no, number. No, no, no. You or put, what? you lay them down so the oh, numbers right, facing that's right, up. That's right. That's right. They were laying down. That's right. Marty had them upside down. That was oh, hilarious. That was good. That was good. So, um, yeah. So now, if you think about what's the big deal of the rolling two d sixes, because odds come in into place. If you're rolling two d sixes, the most common number rolled is seven. Mm-hmm. So more often than not, seven's going to be in the top three but they don't pay out as much uh-huh. as like the two and three horse. And would. I wish we'd written down because I don't think ours came out that way. Like it was a game where 
we didn't get sevens a whole lot. We did it, get well, seven and up there. Six, yeah. six and eight is the next most common. Yeah, I remember two and three. Oh, and what's interesting too is if you roll the same number twice in a row, they get a boost. Yeah, they get to move a little bit yes. further. It doesn't happen with seven, but if the two and th- two or three was rolled two times in a row, they move like an extra three or four spaces and yeah. jump to a big lead. Yeah, and there's probably other ones we're forgetting. There's all kind of hidden little things like that in the game that made it really, really neat. So you drop these tokens on the board and. Once the race is resolved, you'll go to each horse. Let's say, here, here's the horse uh, that won. Oh, this person placed a two chip and it's, and on the times five space, two times five will give you 10 bucks Mm -hmm. and we pay out. Mm -hmm. If let's say you placed a bet on a horse that didn't win. If the place that you placed a bet has a negative number, you actually lose money and have to pay that back to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. And my sister-in-law was the banker. We told her she had a little <laughs> visor over there and she was dealing out money. Did she end up winning? I think she did. I think she may, I think she may have. And so the goal is, so after the first race, you reset everything, give uh-huh. everybody back uh-huh. their chips, uh-huh. a new ability, some new side bets come out, uh-huh. and you start all over again. After uh-huh. four races, count up your money, personal most money wins. Yeah. And it really played pretty fast. They say 45 to 60, but it's a game that moves quick. Mm-hmm. I will say this. We all talked about this. The race moves quick and is fun. What slows down with eight players is resolving all the bets. Yeah. That did take a little bit of time because not only do you have to pay for the ones that bet correctly on the horses, you have to go through each losing horse and see who lost money. Mm-hmm. So it takes a while to resolve that, especially with mm-hmm. that number of players. Mm-hmm. But the actual racing part moves pretty quick and it is really exciting. Yeah. Now, one thing I didn't mention is, let's say I wanted to play next time, and we only had eight players. Well, how can you do that, Mari? Because there is an app that AEG has put out that will run the race for you. Yeah, we need to try it with the app. I didn't install the app, but I saw a picture of it. Basically, there's there's the, the track, mm-hmm. and two dice are rolled, and they just occasionally just move a horse and then you just play together. And then once a horse crosses the finish line, the app will stop and say, okay, here's who one place and showed. And then you resolve the bets from there. So you don't have to have somebody running the race if you don't want to. And like, okay, there's a line where once, once, the no betting uh, line? Yeah, yeah. Once all the horses pass it. No, th- I can't once remember. the third once, horse. Once the third horse, horse passes, passes it, no more bets. But all the horses are still racing yes. until one horse touches the finish line. Right. And, and so, then that's when the race ends. And that's where the exciting part comes yeah. in because then everybody's just watching it. Come on, number six. Yes. Come on, number yeah, six. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you stop that betting and you're just looking and. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. That was a good game. Yeah, this was actually... And that played from age... Well, it says here 14 plus. I can't remember if Valley played that when our nephew, Connor, your sister's son, played. He's older than 14. Uh, And his sister played, who was like 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So from 13 to your dad. Yep. So we had 13 to... 70-something. Yeah. And, it, and everybody a great just, range. And what I love about it is, uh, it's your dad was funny. He didn't like paying his money out. Oh man, he didn't. He was like, <laughs> dad, come So some of the spots you didn't have to pay anything if you lost, mm-hmm. but those might not have been as sweet of spots to mm-hmm. go to. So mm-hmm. what's fun is, is you're racing to get your bet in before somebody else does. Oh, like yeah, I said, yeah. once you take a spot and nobody that, else can claim it. That caused lots of issues. It was like, <laughs> I, I blinked and you took it. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time it was like two people went there and y'all had a fight. Over, Who got there first? Who got there first? And I'm just sitting there rolling the dice. We need a referee. <laughs> That was great. What I love about it is thematically, it just makes so much sense. We're at mm-hmm. a horse track. We're placing bets. Try to win money. Yeah. Very easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great game. Yeah. Ready, set, 
But, man, that was two really good new games that came out for the holidays. Very, very good. That Ready, Set, Bet would be one that I can picture people at Gen Con or Origin. Someone's playing that over in the corner, and they start hooping and hollering, yep. and everybody starts looking, what game are they playing? Yep. <laughs> and all of us were standing around. The, well, you almost got to stand around the table. Oh, you do. So you can reach you across do. and put your you chip, chips yeah. down. Yeah, we were all standing around. Yeah, that was good. Whew. So that was just two of the mini games that we got to play. We played a lot. Yeah. Introduced you to Sagrada. I might have to get a copy of that for you. Oh, no, that's that. You definitely have to get a copy. <laughs> I, I enjoyed holding the dice and looking at the dice in the light. And rolling and, the dice. And yeah. rolling the dice and building my little stained glass window. Yeah, yeah that's, a big, that's a big hit for that, uh, That's Tony a beautiful Donna. game. Yeah, it that's is. That's a beautiful game. It is. All right, y'all. That is just, no, it's not just facts. It's just one so clever. Fun facts. Fun facts. Is this one. And uh, Ready, Set, Bet both play like up to eight players and are really good big group games. Party on. Garth. Oh, I thought that was Bill and Ted. What did Bill and Ted say? Excellent. (laughs) Barry Boswick. (laughs) Stud. Barry Boswick. A lot of our listeners have been ordering a lot of things from Miniature Market. And on Discord, they've talked about, I've ordered stuff, but man, it is just taking a while to get there. And I understand the frustration and everything, and so does Miniature Market. Because what they've done is they're, they've moved to new warehouse and has doubled their warehouse space. And like as of this, as of this recording, just recently, they've put out an update. And they're, they're saying, we apologize. We know that stuff have not, have not been coming out as quickly as possible. We're in the warehouse now. It's double the size. They've hired 30 new warehouse workers who are getting up to speed on the miniature market systems and everything. They've added a second shift for the first time ever for organizing the inventory and doing your pulled orders all day long. So what's that mean? Keep an eye on their website. Make sure that uh, you're seeing updates and stuff. But as of now, they're really ramping up support for their new warehouse so they can go back to getting you items just as quickly as they promised. I know that that frustration is there. Hey, I ordered something. I want it in my hand now. They're doing uh, the best that they can. So hopefully if you've gotten your orders in before now, you've gotten some good updates. They'll be in pretty quickly. If you ordered your stuff by December 4th, they have guaranteed it will be there by Christmas. So once again, hopefully uh, if your faith's been a little bit shaken in miniature market, things are getting up to speed. They're trying to invest in their infrastructure and facilities to make sure they can support you. To find out more and check out all the great sales, head over to miniaturemarket.com. I was excited over Thanksgiving to have a chance to play a lot of Arkham Horror with Vanessa's brother, Bob, who is up from Mississippi. Now, I've probably talked about Bob before in the past, I believe, on the show. You're a big Arkham Horror, the card game fan, correct? I'm a fan of everything Arkham Horror, (laughs) card game especially. I've been on the show once or twice, but I was very excited for us to play like this over the holidays. This is the first time I've ever played an entire campaign in just a couple of days. Let's see, we started on, was it Wednesday, Tuesday? I think it was Wednesday, the night before. Yeah, and then we finished the entire campaign Saturday morning. Saturday morning. So just over the course of those four days. Now, I believe it was back in 2019, I was able to go to Arkham Knights mm, yes. in, in Minnesota. And there, 
they run a campaign they call the Iron Man, where mm. they go through an entire campaign in one day. Wow. They'll do a different campaign or whatever. So I thought that was just impossible. This felt like it to me. We yeah. took four days, and it was a little grueling to constantly set up and, and redo and set up and redo. But it was so satisfying by the end. It was. And what I loved about this was we'd actually talked about playing Scarlet Keys, which just came out right now to talk about mm-hmm. something new on the show. But you and I had neither, neither of us had played Edge of the Earth, which came out about a year ago. And I was excited to play this because this is the new campaign with the new format where everything comes out at once with a nice spiral bound book for the scenario and the campaign and everything. I love this format. Never go back to what it was before. You could just tell just by the material in it, the spiral bound campaign book, like you said, just the visuals of that and how just going through and opening it and holding it, it felt different. It felt more epic. It's better than the sheets that came with. Absolutely. And then you have to keep up with all those sheets and sort them and everything. So, yes. So even if you're only getting one campaign a year, or I think at, 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 most they would put out two a year it's worth the wait to do that because it comes out just in such an epic box mm-hmm. and then to be able to go through it like this i'd say it was the perfect format especially for this type of campaign this is the first time they've broken up into two releases so you have the investigator expansion and the campaign expansion so if you're not interested in the new investigators you could just buy this scenario or the campaign itself or vice versa it's like i just want some more investigators but don't need a new campaign so i appreciate they split those out too yeah, just like you, uh, I got the Edge of the Earth campaign and the investigator sets when they came out. They didn't come out at exactly the same time, but just within a, a few weeks of each other. And it was around a year ago. And I had not opened the campaign expansion at all. I'd pulled out some of the investigator cards. So this was this was the first time for both of us even opening that box and looking at those components. What a well-designed campaign that we when we finished, we said we can easily replay this again and it'd be a totally different experience because there's optional uh, quests or scenarios inside the campaign that we just skipped over. I think every campaign they've ever had is going to have a slightly different path. I made choice A instead of choice B, or I did that, but this was massive. You could have an entirely different story. So many choices, so many quests. Even as we played it, I think there were two or three scenarios that we didn't even play based on the choices that we made. Mm -hmm. I know we could go back and replay those and it would change everything. Yeah, it would. And what was really cool too, so let's see, without spoiling anything, this is based off the story of Mountains of Madness from H.P. Lovecraft. It's like this happened after the story there and the same people who did that led that expedition want to go back to Antarctica and revisit it. What was really cool is you have an expedition team that goes along with you and there are these other characters that are referenced throughout the story that become a part of your party. And to me, the story was so well laid out. I followed the story very well from beginning to end. And I don't know if you've played the Dream Eaters campaign. That one is mind-blowing because some half of it takes place in a dream world, and half of it's in a real right, world. Right. And it was hard to keep up what was going on. I really like the linearity and how this story was told much better than Dream Eaters. And it's not like it was a simple story either. It mm-hmm. was just laid out and and presented in such a way that you could follow it. If if you follow H.P. Lovecraft's writing and you're familiar with At the Mountains of Madness, if this were a book or a movie, it would be a direct sequel 
Yes. That happened. We have the information. And another expedition leaves from Miskatonic University. No spoilers here. You, as the player, are part of this expedition. But you get to know a lot of the, I guess what we would call NPCs Mm -hmm. that are in here that have a much bigger role than just a normal ally or side character in other scenarios and campaigns. And what was so cool about those other NPCs, different things happened to them throughout the campaign. And depending on what happened to them, drove the story. So that's why I said replayability. You were to play this again, different things would happen to different NPCs in a different manner, which would totally drive the story a different way. And depending on who was with you and who had left or or whatever, you may have access to things or benefits or boons uh, or even debuffs that might happen because somebody's not there. If we sat down and played it again, the outcome would be totally different. I, I, that's exactly right. There was I, I said a few times this is just like a choose your own adventure story from middle school, but it's it's on steroids. And what a clever way! I, again, what I'm so impressed by this game is using cards for maps. And there were some really cool maps uh, that we got to play. This. Well, that was another thing too. One of the branching storylines is like, which path do you want to take? And depending on the path, the map was different. Yeah, that scenario, I think, had five different map setups, all very, very different based on which path you're taking in your exploration. And then in in other scenarios, different components of the game were used in totally unique ways, like the physical game pieces were used in unique ways to create other stuff. So it's almost like the designer said, here's what we have in one box. Mm -hmm. How many different ways can we use it to do exciting and crazy new stuffs in this adventure. And what's so cool is if you have never played this, literally with a core set, which is required for all campaigns, a core set in this one box here, Edge of the Earth, you could have a full game experience. No, you wouldn't have access to all the really cool cards. Like we use Arkham DB for like looking and helping build decks. Sure, you couldn't build some of the really awesome decks they have out there, but that doesn't matter. With just core set and this, you could be up and running. But we did play with investigators from this set, from the edge of the earth. So when you look at the investigator cards from the edge of the earth investigator pack, and then you do this adventure and you would assume you have to have a core box. I bet 80% of my deck could have come from the core box and the expansion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And in fact, whenever I play a campaign, I always pick one of the new investigators. I always make myself pick one of the new ones. So when I open up Scarlet Keys... I'll probably uh, pick one from there, too. Yeah, I tell you, uh, Edge of the Earth. Uh, I can't believe we knocked it out in three or four days. I thought, man, are we going to get finished with this? And the ending of it was super exciting. We had, uh, oh God, I wish I could say what happened, but I can't. It, <laughs> it was just stuff like, are we done? Oh, no, we're not. We're not done. Stuff is still happening sort of deal. And then we successfully saved the Earth. So everyone listening can thank us. You're that welcome. still around. Yeah. You're welcome for that world and, and cosmos. <laughs> I would say <laughs> that's true. Absolutely. That's, if not for us, you wouldn't be listening to this today. So, uh, thanks so much for going on this journey with me. This was a blast. I'm exhausted, man. I'm going to need two days of rest <laughs> after four days of campaigning, but it was all worth it. <laughs> and who knows, maybe, uh, coming up soon, maybe we can get together sometime again and try to drudge through, uh, a Scarlet, Scarlet keys. keys. Maybe this, maybe this summer, uh, we'll update on the Scarlet keys campaign. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, y'all. Again, Arkham Horror, the card game, still one of my favorite games of all time. Thanks, man. Thank you. The other night, I reached out to Tony and said, hey, you want to play a game on your new PC? Sure. What you want to play? You want to play StarCraft? Let's play StarCraft. 
Thank you so much for playing. I haven't played StarCraft in forever, and that was so much freaking fun pulling up StarCraft Remastered and StarCraft 2 and playing again. It was fun after we tried to play StarCraft 1 and lost within 10 minutes. All right. So, okay, here's what we did, y'all. So we typically, in our past games, we would play co-op. We would team up together and play against the AI. I could I could have sworn, and trying to think back on this, Tony, I think when we did this, we could set the difficulty level of the AI back in the original game. Am I just remembering that wrong? I said I looked it up and you couldn't, but later that night I was sitting there thinking, wait, when you and I and Ed used to play together, it seems like we would go, okay, let's go against two easy AI opponents. Okay, we beat them. Let's go against two normal. Okay, we beat them. Add a three, make... Three of them easy, then maybe two easy, one normal. Did we not do stuff like that? That has been so long ago. I have no idea. I, I, I can't remember. I do remember winning. I do remember defending against a Zerg rush. I also remember we would always select to play against probably Terran. And while you would do Protoss and I would do Zerg, I remember doing that. But I cannot remember the AI. I just know that when we were playing, I will, and we looked at the resources and the builds and things when we got wiped. We were like, how is it doing it this fast? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think it's the computers. I don't think the computers are, um, you know, back then were as, definitely they weren't as good. So maybe that's how we won. The computers weren't, you mean the AI wasn't as good? No, I'm saying the processing speed. Maybe well, no, they couldn't. Th- th- they would slow that down. They wouldn't do. No, they no. That would be silly. That means that. That means depending on the machine that you would play, it would get easier on older machines. Now they they didn't. They wouldn't do it like that. It's it's based on time, a slice of time, not how fast okay. it's processing. I, I don't know. All I know is that it was over within first ten minutes. It was ridiculous. We got so we actually. I was wanting to play the classic because I remember how all the stuff works. So. We stopped playing that, cranked up. Both of us installed StarCraft 2. I realized I forgot I uninstalled it. In that, you can adjust the AI. You, I did, you and I did two versus two easy, and we, mm-hmm. we handled that one pretty easily. It's just that there's more units, different types of units and buildings in StarCraft 2 that I need to go back and relearn. Yeah, and, the, and how the buildings worked because you could add things onto the building that you really didn't get. In StarCraft, it's been forever. But it was so much fun. So much fun. And I made sure on StarCraft 2 to have the soundtrack, the original StarCraft soundtracks. And I played Terran. And I was just like jamming to the old Terran tunes and stuff like that. So nostalgic. So much fun. So over the next few nights, I kept messaging Tony on play game. And he wouldn't even read my message. So, Dude, I got in so much trouble. I told somebody I would be gone for an hour. And I was gone for two and a half. Well, she's watching TV and stuff. I didn't, I didn't get in trouble. Vanessa's like, yeah, go have a good time. Well, that's because there's a difference. You mean she, and you said when you're done watching True Bloods, it's Blue Bloods. <laughs> Are you sure it's not True Bloods? Oh, True Bloods, the vampire one, right? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> when you're done, yeah, like I'm watching that. All right. I noticed that somebody has this big box sitting in their studio. I guess that's your new neoprene map for War of the Ring. Oh, you see that over there in the corner. Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah, so I ordered that. Gosh, when did it go on pre-order? It's been a long time, a long time. But yeah, I haven't even opened it, but I know there's a nice canister in there, a big War of the Ring map. I've played it once since I've owned this thing. I love neoprene mats. 
it may sit in that canister forever, never get used again. But if I ever get a chance to play it again, or, or Nate says, okay, I'll come back and teach you guys again how to play. I've got the nice neoprene mat for it now. It always makes a big difference. It makes a difference on game night. I mm-hmm. know that. Now, we don't need maps when we break open the Switch, and we you know we're discussing about it. But big news from Oink Games and their release of Let's Play Oink Games, your favorite card game, Scout, is coming to that platform. So there's a bunch of different games on there. So right now they currently have, uh, for the Switch, uh, This Face, That Face, uh, Startup, Fake Artist, Deep Sea Adventure, In a Groove, Moon Adventure, and Fafair? I don't know that one. Anyway, so at the end of December, they're supposed to be adding Scout. Now, this is going to supply support local play, online play. And uh, yeah, so Scout would be one of those. I think it'd be fun just to kind of crank up, get with people maybe on Discord or something like that and uh, play. It's like $22 for this thing. Uh, I've got it on my wish list. My hope is over the next couple months with Christmas and everything, maybe it'll go on sale and I'll grab it when it does that. Well, maybe I'll be able to um, crank up the old Switch and play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with you sometime, too. Well, that's what I messaged you the other night about. It's like, we could play Shredder's Revenge, and you're like, you just didn't even look at the message. So I didn't even hear the message. What are you talking about? I got on now and said, oh, I'm ready to record. Oh, you sent a message last night. I don't keep my phone near me. You know me. I go, in a, I go into a cave. I was probably sitting in here playing Guild Wars 2 when you messaged. Well, then why don't you message me when you do that? Hey, are you around? I'm playing Guild Wars. I go, oh, let me go get on. I'm on for like 10, 15 minutes. I blame you for this because I'm going out there getting my hero points. And then the other day we went and I somehow this big adventure started up where we went and we progressed through this adventure and went and killed this big baddie and this big chest dropped. And I clicked on it and I got all this stuff. And yep. now I had to go process my bags and then I had some birthday surprise where I dropped this chest and this jack-in-the-box showed up. And I was like, what is this crap? And then suddenly I was hitting people with bats. I don't know. They, they've added a ton of stuff to this. I don't know what luck is for. I There's so Lux, much. Wait a minute. Luck's always been there. It's your chance of finding magic items. That's all. So, so if I double-click on it, then I've got luck for X oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are just taking up your sp- spots. If you're not double-clicking on the luck, just double-click all those and you'll you'll earn all those. and. Our karma and the karma boosts just go the click laurels. on those and they go away. Yeah, same with laurels too. Now keep an eye out. Supposedly they're supposed to have uh, sales on their expansions. Uh, I do recommend uh, the latest one, End of Dragons, getting that one. And uh, maybe we could play through that one together because I'm still very early on in that. And once you finish your main story, we could jump over and maybe do that because you earn hero points a lot quicker over there too. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the, I thought I had gotten all of them except for End of Dragon, but it shows it's locked on my hero panel that I'm not part of the story, but I think it's because I haven't started the story. Yeah. As long as you have the option to start and it's in your panel, you're good. Okay. It just has a little lock feature on it. But on which one? one? Uh, it's not the one where you go get the mount. Oh, so it's must, it's one, the one before the uh, heart, uh, the one before that. I can't think of the name of it. Yep. So we'll have to go. Heart of Thorns. Heart of Thorns. Yep. That's what I was thinking. All right. I also got a big delivery that I haven't been able to get to, and that is a E-Win chair that will get rid of a leather chair, make it more comfortable for me. So in our next episode, I'll be talking about that. I just did not get time to put it together, and I hate that because I was looking forward to it, but then I'm heading on vacation, and I, I can't wait to try this out. So if you're hearing this now, we want to remind you, head over to E-Win and pick up that 30% RDTN code. 
Somebody out there needs a good gaming chair. And it's not a chair to play games on, which you sent me that review on, Marty. This is a chair for you to sit in and play games. And here's the thing is, it's again, the site is ewinracing.com. That 30% off is not only for chairs, but for desks too. Anything that you have there, throw it in your cart. And y'all go look at the sales they're running for Christmas and everything. It's not 30%. They've told us you guys have the max code. So if you want to get something, use RDTN and get 30% off. And Marty loves his uh, cloth chair. I can't wait to do that because I'm, I'm working more at home while they deconstruct my building. So I'm very excited about that. Can't wait to try it out. You told me it'd take me 30 minutes to put it together and yep. I just didn't get to it. I was too busy setting up Christmas lights for my mom. I understand. And then get, and then get home and get the house ready because my daughter's coming to visit for the holidays, which after the show airs, more holidays are on their way. Mm-hmm. So, and you're not heading to Mississippi. So are, are you, where are you going for Christmas? We got family coming in and, uh, we will have done uh, a bunch of gaming. In fact, <laughs> Pull back the curtain, y'all. My plan is to, in this episode, I would have recorded some stuff with people of some of the games that we played. If it's there, yay, the plan worked. If it's not, oops, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) But for those of you listening, you get a big bonus because that's about it. Because from now on, we're going to start rolling some dice. And taking some names. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Make sure to come back our next episode for our special 10th anniversary episode. We're going to be giving away a lot of prizes, including our special mystery boxes that we send out to winners. Don't forget to join our Discord channel. And if you want to support the show, you can over at buymeamoonpie.com. Hey, Marty. What? It's that Christmas time. Do you know why Santa's little helper felt sad? No. Why did Santa's little helper feel sad? He had low elf esteem.